Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I am joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur, live from the homestead in New Jersey. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Good to be back. Good to be back. Can I tell you about some hijinks that happened since I've been back in New Jersey? Please. So I, uh, you know, the week before a tour, I'm like, yeah, it's time to ramp up. You know, we got to right. do a lot of drums. A lot of working out, get the cardio up, you know, Tuesday evening, I got a little burst of energy. So I'm like, ah, I'm going to clear some of these log piles I have around the house, get them down to the street, get a little work in, you know, feel good. And uh, apparently some yellow jackets had mm. taken up residence in one of these piles. I reached for one. I felt quite a pinch on my hand and then I was swarmed by yellow jackets i received six or seven stings subsequently my body blew up my skin was on fire i was getting welts everywhere i look up online they say well if your welts are you know leaving the area of the bite and spreading around time to go to the hospital i'm like <laughs> oh all right so, you know, this is like around bedtime with the kids and stuff. I can't get a ride. So I got to jump in the car, drive myself to the ER and uh, yeah, quickly get get an IV. First of my life at 41 years old. I made it this long and uh, I got pumped with like an EpiPen and steroids and the whole deal. And it could have been pretty bad. Yeah, pretty fucked up. Totally random. I'm worried like, about you, man. The, the amount of times you text me that you're randomly going to the hospital, I'm like, dude, what's well, happening? It's usually not for me. <laughs> you know, these days, it's yeah. it's often I'm just the driver and get to sit around. <laughs> this is like the first time I've ever had to like fully wow. like get helped where like like if I didn't, like I might have died or something. That's crazy. Know? So it was uh, yeah, pretty random. And then the last couple days, I'm just randomly breaking into like hives and stuff and just full on allergic reaction you know i was it's it's really stunning denny how many ways the earth is is creating you know tactics to purge us from this place you know it's just lying in wait around every corner is something ready to ready shake us off she needs us out of here you know this is very dangerous what an amazing segue for talking about the queen later oh man but uh but i don't yeah, know man. danny is that this ever happened to you anything like this do i get stung by a bee no but I got to tell you, I don't know if bee stings can go around. I got a, a text from a, a friend of mine. His son plays high school soccer, and it's his first game with the varsity team. And he uh -huh. had to leave the game because of a bee sting injury. A bee sting injury? Yeah, on his hamstring. Crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, dude, if you have these problems, it turns out that... Uh... You're lucky? Yeah, I mean, well, the thing with stuff like this is you don't know till you know. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think, you, you know, with like a kid or something. Now I'm like wondering, I'm like, shit, I've gotten bee stings before. I've gotten wasps before nothing too bad, you know, but then uh, like, uh, you know, randomly just another type gets you and you're you're apparently super. But that's what I don't know. I don't know if I'm allergic to yellow jackets now or just allergic to being stung seven times by something. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> which that's could crazy. very well be the case. <laughs> by the way, I don't know 
I think I'm allergic to Canada, which I am right now doing the show live and direct from Toronto because I texted you this yesterday. I come here first time, second time in Canada ever, but first time to Toronto, you know, where everything goes down and the queen dies. So I'm not sure if like I should like avoid areas that have aging monarchy but so yeah <laughs> i think that's a general rule of thumb yeah <laughs> just for anyone avoid yeah. avoid territories with aging monarchy yeah yeah it's pretty good but up here seeing some good movies at the toronto film festival man this is crazy because it's so it's like I don't know if you've ever been to a film festival, Benny, but it's like your music festivals, but there's a whole conference industry things. People are getting their movies bought and stuff like that. Um, I was texting you about trying to go see the Weird Al movie last night. That did not happen. Oh, it didn't make it. I, huh? I, I, I think I've officially hit the point where if it's at midnight, like if it starts at midnight, it may be a no go for me. Oh, I get that. Jesus, I'd never make it through that. <laughs> Have you seen any uh, big wigs around? Anyone cool? Um, Frances McDormand, uh, oh. her movie. She has, dude, this movie. Very impressive. Women, Very impressive it, person. Great movie. I had to leave, man. It's <gasps> very bloody. It's very oh. bloody. And I wasn't ready for it. And and I'm like having like, you know, I had my white claw before I went into the theater. I was like, oh, this, this is going to be serious, but it's not going to be bloody. Phenomenal movie. Shout out to everybody involved. Great movie. Uh, women talking. Um, but man, that was not for me. I felt next, bad leaving. That, yeah, you should. I, next time you go into a Francis McDormand, I recommend like I recommend a whiskey or a <laughs> yeah, scotch. Right. You know, haven't you yeah. seen these movies in the last five <laughs> years? Have. Ten years? <laughs> she's she's dark these days. You gotta. She, I saw that. What was that one where? where the three billboards and yeah, the yeah. three billboard. What a <laughs> fucked up, awesome movie that yeah. was! But you got to be ready for it. I with, was not McDormand these days. Great cast, She's taking you on a ride. Yeah, Rooney Mara's in it too. Those nice. two just make quality movies. Um, let's see, what else am, am I trying to see? While oh, uh, the return of Brendan Fraser this summer. We have not talked oh, about yeah. it at all on the pod. Uh, I think I'm going to see the whale on Saturday. He uh he. He uh he ballooned up to 300 pounds and then needed the prosthetic to get him up to 600. Could be yeah. a real Oscar contender right there. Um, Is that Aronofsky, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I hear people are upset about it though, so I think I think it's going to be taken out of Oscar contention because of that. But I like to see Brendan Fraser back. That's a yeah. really interesting story, and like that could have some weird uh, tales to it in the future when. When he actually speaks up more about like what happened to him and stuff, yeah. it's kind of interesting. A lot of people talk about this industry blackballing, you know, and it's like if you can blackball someone who is big of a star as Brendan Fraser was, like, yeah. you know, then the uh, the puppet master conspiracy theories get a little stronger. I'm afraid. See, that's why you do what we're doing here and just have the podcast where you talk to anybody. The only thing that can blackball me right now is a bad internet connection, which may or may not have just happened. Danny, you know what was my film festival this year? What was your film? Was about? flying home from Ireland, where I oh, finally yeah. got to sit down and watch two movies. <laughs> I saw everything all at once, all the time. Crazy movie, right? Which was awesome. Yeah. I was like, you know, six or seven minutes into the movie, and I'm like, why am I watching this movie? <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening and why I'm watching it. And then all of a sudden, that 
that that turn kicks in and I, I was just gripped until the very end. What a stunning movie. Yeah. And then I also watched a great documentary on um, I'm forgetting the name, Carol something who played Big Bird on Sesame Street oh. for like 40 years. Yeah, um, he was like the original Big Bird, created the voice and the character. Also, Oscar the Grouch. Wow. But also had like a very kind of interesting side life and relationship with Henson and and the whole that was a really interesting doc and actually very inspiring, like artistically he led a very cool and artistic and loving kind of life, you know, good, yeah. good doc. I recommend that as well. Cool. That was my film festival. Oh, I love that. That's we, my wife and I try to watch a movie and someone's yeah. usually sleeping within like 20 minutes. So, oh. so taking a, Taking a long flight is usually when I sneak them in, you know. Friend of show, Mo DeKeel, you know, former video coordinator for the Clippers, been on, on with us before, uh, was flying to New York. And he he tweeted out this week, watching Roadhouse 30,000 feet in the Ooh. sky. This is truly living. So shout out. Yo, to <laughs> big stuff. I can't wait. I'm getting hyped for the new Roadhouse now. I need a movie like that. I just need some some. Some good fluff in my life, you know? Uh, well, you know what segment is always good fluff, Benny? Tell me. Oh, I will tell you as soon as I get this board open. Just kidding. There's no time for that. It's this day music history. Do, 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 do. I thought this was interesting. In 2009, the iTunes music store reached 8.6 billion songs sold. Wow. And I'm wondering if we can safely consider that like the exact turn of the era, you know, was it the late aughts that you can uh, now consider like the official like death of the CD? Is is this an appropriate time now to, to consider it? I think I, you know, see, here's the thing why I'm not about to make that giant declaration yet mm -hmm. is because hipster generations come along and who knows in like five years like people may want to be like oh cds i have a cd player i could see that coming well that's a good thing that i hoarded all of mine and <laughs> i didn't throw any i know a lot of people who are like yeah i got rid of like 2000 cds i even interviewed my my good friends uh josh grabel and carl severson who ran trust kill and ferret records years ago and they told me about how they had to hire a company to basically get rid of like like thousands and thousands of unsold CDs because they were just like useless at that point. And you can't just toss them in the trash, you know? Yeah. And like, I can't imagine the amount of waste that went into like the major label <laughs> CD cycle in that right. time. They must have been like literally just crushing and and melting down millions and millions of copies of CDs. <laughs> At the height of your CD consumption, what was the largest uh, CD player that you had? How many discs? Uh, you know what? For someone like me, and I don't know if a listener of this show would 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 grasp it. I believe they would because of my uh, my historical precedents. Anything over six yeah. is widely confusing to me, and I do, I just don't enjoy. I'm kind of like an obsessive listener, you know. Um, if I'm really into a record and especially a new record, that's kind of all I'm listening to. So I really only need one most of the time. I think the thing that the six disc, did it offer a shuffle function? Yeah. 
It did, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I think that was like the first, like almost like uh, party shuffle kind of idea that I ever had access to. And I do believe I enjoyed that. You know, if you loaded it up with like six good CDs and did a shuffle, but I don't think I ever got over six. But, you know, getting over six, you were getting into like home entertainment system kind of kind of territory, which wasn't my vibe. I was I needed everything in one single box, you know? Yeah. Your kids will never know the struggle of moving out of a house and having to move all those CDs. When we moved from Vernon, right? the amount of boxes we had of cds and they were the heaviest boxes oh, and i was like yeah. this they're wild. almost just as bad as books yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my kids apparently are going to be the age of the hipsters who bring cds back probably so. i love it yeah all right benny on this day in 2007 taylor swift released our song the third single from her self-titled debut album but here here's why it's significant for music history it became swift's first number one single on the hot country charts which started the whole thing. It went for six consecutive weeks, making her the youngest person for this to happen to. And from there, she just took off like a rocket. And she, and even now she's getting into the directing game. She's here at TIFF as well today. Oh. So uh, Taylor Swift, Big Ups, has a new album coming out. So this day on 2007, that all kicked off. I've been listening to a lot of Shake It Off. Really? And you know what I got to say? Something that's been exposed to me through the Sing movies is Reese Witherspoon may have a better voice than Taylor Swift or and and 100% has a better voice than Scarlett Johansson. Wow. You can hear it. Like when I listen to the Sing soundtrack and I listen to Scarlett songs, I go, you reach it. Yeah, you're not a theatrical performer. You need to be in like a lusty Lana Del Rey kind of vibe for your voice to work. You know, I can Reese Witherspoon. That's a real voice. She's good. She's actually good. Oh, man, that sent me down a whole rabbit hole because, you know, for the project, the reason I'm here, I've been uh, the amount of times I've Googled XYZ actor singing to see if they can sing. (laughs) And there's some of them that really surprised you um bobby cannavale doesn't oh, do a yeah. bad uh neil diamond which that. i'm which could i'm pretty that. sure if you tinker things a little bit could sound eddie vetterish i don't know who knows, who knows? <laughs> yeah are you saying eddie vetter is neil diamondish no 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 like vocal tones not like see. not no. not like yeah why'd you just get so new jersey real quick you, oh no 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 vocal tones <laughs> vocal tones oh <laughs> Oh, oh, hey, oh, oh. Vocal, vocal tones. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, guy. Okay. All right. Um, all right. We got to simmer it down real quick because, well, we got some news. Some news yesterday. You know, we talked about the queen uh, and her passing. So let's get into it right now. First headline today, Queen Elizabeth II, the UK's longest serving monarch, has died at the age of 96. She reigned for 70 years, which if you do anything for 70 years, that's pretty impressive. Uh, she died peacefully on Thursday afternoon at her Scottish estate, uh, where she spent most of the summer. She came to the throne in 1952 and witnessed amount, a large amount of social change. Uh, her son, King Charles III, will take over as king. And this was the part that I thought was really interesting that I had no idea about when these monarch changes go over. Uh, it goes from God save the queen to God save the king. So they're just rewriting the lyrics every time the changeover happens, which is pretty <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, lot to break down here in terms of her legacy. I know a lot of people feel a lot of different ways, but uh, yeah, Benny, when you heard this, um, did it 
historically make a any sort of impression with you or, or were you just like it's another thing that happened today no it did for a certain reason i mean the thing is to this day i don't fully grasp how government works over there and how much power she's actually charged with you know like i still don't completely understand it and that and because of that politically i don't have like any strong sense or view of what she did I do find it pretty stunning when her father died in 52. She was 25 years old and became queen of, let me see here, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Pakistan, and what is known today as Sri Lanka, which used to be, I don't know, Ceylon. I don't know how to say it correctly. That's crazy to me. That and And that shows like just in her lifetime, the amount of like, change that's necessary in the world like you know she saw over like the decolonization of africa you know and and a lot of like old imperialistic tendencies that just like came and went but are still there you know during her reign so it's it's really like a very interesting and kind of huge topic to uncover because of what you said this is like 70 years of geopolitics under one person's umbrella so it's like hard for me to really have like a firm opinion, honestly, one way or the other. But I think it's more of a cultural thing. Like America, especially in the 80s, just had this insane fascination with the royal family. You know, it was like Queen Elizabeth and, uh, you know, and Princess Di and et cetera. And I grew up with it randomly, like, and, and this name and this face were kind of synonymous with geopolitics and almost as present as my own presidents and stuff like that. So I don't know what they did, what kind of marketing they were doing with, with like (laughs) those Royal Dutch cookies and stuff in the eighties or something. But like, I literally had a tin in my house with queen Elizabeth and the King and and the Prince. And like, that's where my mom would stuff like a $10 bill for like an emergency. If she didn't come home that night, you could order a pizza or something like, so (laughs) I just grew up with this like narrative and I'm not even exactly sure why, you know, I guess it goes to show like how closely the, our countries are intertwined with Canada and the U S and England. And the fact that, I don't know, we're basically once them, like not that long ago in a sense. So it, it, it really, it's kind of a fascinating um, topic to bring up. It's something I don't often think about and her death kind of like highlighted a lot of that, you know? And you really saw the differences. Um, there are some very vocal groups. Um, I had no idea until yesterday that Irish Twitter was a thing, but they were uh, loud and proud and in charge. Um, I, I saw a chance at a, at a soccer match over there of uh, Lizzie's in a box, which I was like, listen, I'm Irish. I like, I know that uh, uh, the history there is, uh, is, 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 is tough. Um, but it's also the, the day that somebody passes history will have the chance to write whatever she may have done or haven't done. Um, but yeah, I thought that seeing the reaction on, on social media, there were two reactions. There, there are the UK people that were like, oh, we're going to miss her. And then there was the other reaction. Very interesting to see this play out in real time. Yeah, I mean, that's where as an outsider of that country, like I don't really like to take any kind of side on it because I know, like I said, over 70 years, 
this is a country that has its hands in a million places. There's probably tons of people that hate them and tons of people that love them. And yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not skilled enough to really have. An yeah, Brian. No, me neither. We're a podcast on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, for exactly. Out. Oh man, but just interesting. Um, I think making a monarch like that more approachable to the people. I think that's going to be how. Uh, the loyalists, the people over in, in Britain look at it, uh, even if there weren't some bumps along the way. So uh, Queen Elizabeth II uh, passes away at the age of 96. All right, Benny, we're going to keep it in London. Next headline. Uh, this past week was the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert at Wembley Stadium. Uh, the stars came out to honor the late drummer. Absolutely incredible, but I got to tell you, nobody shined brighter at this thing than Taylor's 16-year-old son, Shane, who came out to get on the drums from My Hero with the Foo Fighters. Absolutely incredible moment uh, for him. I'm sure uh, must have been emotional, but watching this for you, what kind of emotions did you feel? Like I imagine this had to be pretty crazy for you. Yeah, I've honestly, I've had a hard time with this whole thing. I, like, like I, It just makes me so sad that like I have a hard time kind of ingesting like a lot of the tributes and, you know, articles and stuff like that, because I'm just like sort of emotionally processing in a way. And I and it's like and it's all just makes me so sad. Um, It was nice to see this concert with his heroes and like, you know, I, I don't know Taylor Hawkins, but I know as a fan of just like fucking rock and roll like a real rock and roll fan the kinds of stuff that was happening and the connections with people and the people who were playing together and the mishmash of artists that were up there kinds of songs that they were doing like what fun you know and what a good way to to honor someone and it seems the people who knew him best are you know were you know tracked it to 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 be something that he would respect and be into. So you got to trust that when you go into something like this, but what can you say about the moment with his son? I mean, I really, I was watching it and I truly empathized in that moment because he was hitting the drums. Like he was playing for his damn life, you know, and I've had that many times in my life where the drums were fully receiving my anguish, you know, like that is one of the great things about being a drummer is there is like a a channel you can you can get to and almost like this midway place between here and there where like you're physically bashing something and like there is like a really really strong and powerful like emotional release that can happen if you if you can get to that place and to me seeing where he was at with his head down the way he was hitting i was like yo that motherfucker's in that place and that's you know a good place to be and a fitting place to be to honor his father you know i've again no idea like you know what the details of that relationship are like or anything but it was a pretty stunning thing to watch for sure you know we've talked a bunch about uh, how bands have magic refining that magic and we see often so times when when somebody passes early that their son or their daughter or whoever uh, somebody related to them kind of may step into that role that the person left, you know, as rock continues to get older um, and, and these icons of, of the business pass away and, and that void is left there to be filled. Uh, do you think there's something to be said of like somebody related to the person trying at least to fill those shoes? 
I guess so. I mean, again, like this is where we're talking about, you know, when you're talking about a band, you got to understand always, especially a long-term band like this, you're talking about like family dynamics. You know, these people know each other so well that what people want and what is the best way to serve and honor them is completely different from person to person. So, you know, like, I don't know if Taylor Hawkins used to secretly tell Dave Grohl, man, I wish my kid didn't play drums and he would fucking sing or something like, I don't know, (laughs) you know? So, and, and then there's also times where it just doesn't like, you know, like you hear Jason Bonham, who's a phenomenal drummer play with Led Zeppelin and yeah, he can play everything perfect, you know, but like, it's different. And just because you're someone's kid doesn't mean you're going to be exactly the same energy or want to play the same way or even like the same music, you know, like who knows? So I do think it's kind of cool. And if it works out naturally to get there, that's cool. But I don't think it should have to be like a, you know, an umbrella over the child's life. Like this is your destiny, you know? Yeah. Last question for you on this tribute concert. And one of the things that I don't think a lot of people know about your scene and everything like that is when somebody dies, there's often some sort of like tribute concert event where people get together, you know, uh, they celebrate their music, they celebrate their life, kind of take people inside that. Obviously, this was much bigger than like your like typical one. Uh, but for people that you know and that have like passed away and they've like paid tribute to, to the life, that's a pretty cool thing. Cause where I come from with like uh firemen, that's like a big thing. And like all of the people that may or may not have known the person come to the funeral. And it's like a really emotional thing. So kind of take me inside of that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been a part of a bunch of stuff like that. It's always sad. You know, there's always moments where it feels great and moments where you're, you're like, are we falling short? Is this actually properly honoring someone? But I think it's safe to say now at this point that those things are really for us. They're not for them. You know, they're they're our chance to say goodbye, our chance to, you know, rectify our emotions and and get a clear story of our relationship with that person and what they meant to us. And I think that that's the power of those things. And the one thing I think that always shows is like the power of community when that happens. And that's what I like is, is the, the death of someone can often bring certain things together that weren't often coming together or needed to come together or needed to see something clearly, you know, and things like that. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe someone you had a little scuffle with like seven years ago, when you see him in that context, you go, fuck, that's not that important, you know? Um, so it, I think it can be really powerful in that way. Fascinated by that. More questions to come on that in the future. I'm a hundred percent sure. Um, all right, let's get a little lighter here. Shall we? We've had a lot of days. Um, Benny, what if I told you that Tupac was arrested in Florida this past week? Tupac Shakur. I mean, these days I'd say you were on Reddit, <laughs> you know, and and someone we got another like this guy's alive conspiracy. That's probably where I'd go with that. Oh, I love it. Well, he's not alive, so that I know of. Maybe Reddit knows more than I do. But a 34 year old woman named Tupac Shakur in Miami was arrested in South Florida after she was caught on surveillance footage assaulting a man with a baseball bat. Assault is serious. 
we would never glorify that. But we come here to the tune-up, and I want to focus on the name. What would drive someone to name their kid Tupac Shakur? Tupac is one thing, but going the full name, that's commitment. Yeah, I love I mean, listen, I love it. <laughs> I do. Names are stupid. Half the names in the US are like names that were fucking, you know, given to people, not even their original names. I love the idea of unique names and taking them back. The biggest irony about this one is Tupac wasn't his real name. <laughs> his real name was Lasane Parish Crooks. You know, like and, and just named himself Tupac Shakur. Now all these people are named Tupac. So honestly, I think it's cool. But here's the danger to me is like, even if you have an icon, especially these days, yeah, what are the chances you get through a whole life without I- incident? You know, there are kids walking around named Cosby yeah. <laughs> right now and like stuff like that, you know, who had the cleanest track record for a while. You're like, how could this go wrong? You know? <laughs> And then 20 years later, you're like 30 year old son is like, thanks a lot. You know, like, that's awesome that I'm named Cosby. Um, so you got to be careful. But I do think it's fun. You got to stick with the family names. I keep trying because so, you know, I, I write things. I love naming things, naming things. Easily top 10 hobby of mine. Not, <laughs> n- n- not even joking. You have um, 10 hobbies? I have a little. <laughs> wow. Good for you. Coming up next week on the tune up, my top 10 hobbies. Yeah, Denny's hobbies. <laughs> um, I've been trying to talk the girlfriend into the name Carrie. I think it's a great name. Can go both sexes. Allows them to discover their own identity. Not Han. I just want to take a time out in case any family's watching. Nothing's going on. It's just me playing around with names. Just got. What, what are we talking? Out. Like Carrie Elways? Like, like C-A-R-Y? Carrie Graham, man. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice name. But like it's that. like you never know. Like I don't want to like, like find out something in the future that kind of taints the name. So I think it's good best when you, you know, keep it in the family name at least if there's any sort of disgrace you keep it within the last name you yeah know? and you don't want to you don't want to put too much of an overarching thing over somebody yeah. that's why when i had a you know when when i had a kid and i considered the name bonham yeah i'm like this is like my my drum icon that would be a cool name but then i'm like do you want to name your kid after someone who is asphyxiated on their own vomit at 27 you know, right. eh, maybe, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not, you know, as much as I love the man and, and his drumming, it's a tough, that's a tough one to carry, yeah. you know? Oh man. <laughs> but I, so I got to use that to springboard. Um, if you had the name a person right now, based off of somebody in music, well, it doesn't even have to be music, but who would you be like, you know, what, that person that's easy, name. easy. And I'm giving you your segue for later. LeBron James. Oh, if I had a third kid right now, LeBron James Horowitz. That could be a girl, a boy. LeBron could a be girl? a girl. Yeah. Why not? That's definitely the one. What's LeBron going to do wrong? Oh, come on. It's safe. Come on. That's safe. not safe. That's not safe. Even though I got to be careful what I say, I may see him on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I got to say, side sidebar here. Yeah. I did take in Space Jam 2 a couple times recently. We've been doing Space Jam at the house. Yeah. It's fine. Oh. It's fun. It's a good time. LeBron's a better actor than Michael. Okay. Like, I actually kind of dug it. I thought it was good. It's made for children. Stop having an opinion like Jar Jar Binks 
about something not even made for you. You know, listening to grown men tear apart Space Jam is one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever heard. The only problem I had, and and I've been steady with this the entire time, the amount of Warner Brothers IP that they used in it, that bothered me. I don't need Casablanca and Space Jam. I don't sure, that. sure. It was it was whorish. It was definitely. <laughs> I will give you this that it was whorish for but sure. That that could be the future of Hollywood. When I saw the White Walker in the crowd, I was yeah. like, "All right, let's come on." I mean, th- they're trying to uh, remake the Wizard of Oz with Kenyon Barris, the guy that wrote Blackish, the guy who's who we talked about has been tasked to uh, reboot a uh, White Man Can't Jump. Yeah, they're giving him Wizard of Oz to redo, which I'm yeah. like, you've got two stellar movies to compete with there that just seems like you probably shouldn't touch it if you're an artist i don't know Uh, i'd go for that one great story (laughs) great story a lot of a lot of a lot of avenues all right let's talk give me let's let's give me something about the judge's orders come on all right you want to talk baseball maris would also be a great name that's a good name maris would be a good one i like that um all right, Benny, let's get to baseball, shall we? Uh, we talked last week about Aaron Judge's pursuit of Roger Maris's AL home run record, 61. As of right now, he has 55 dingers. That's up four since last week for those of you playing along at home. Uh, he's made a rock-solid case for MVP. But I got to, you know, I don't know if this is me being a contrarian, but I got to offer up the question. Are people sleeping on Shohei Otani for a potential AL MVP? So I think what we got here is now like a philosophical argument. Okay. Because Judge will be the MVP. Yeah. Like like that's become pretty clear. I think the voters have made it clear. And there's no good reason to not make him MVP. I mean, listen to this in the AL, all right? Mm -hmm. Let's get the home run leader. Aaron Judge, 55. Second place, Otani at 33. RBIs, 118. Second place, Ramirez, 108. Run scored, 111. Second place, 82 (laughs) from Alex Bregman. 30 runs over. We're talking first in OBP by uh, 11 percentage points. Uh, First in slugging by, uh, oh, 100 percentage points. (laughs) So it's turning into like one of... Oh, and let's just throw in 16 steals to boot. Yeah. You know, like like Aaron Judge does that now. And so, walks. <laughs> right. And yeah, I believe number one in walks as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nine over Jesse Winkler for, for walks. <laughs> so like this is turning into one of the most dominant offensive seasons in baseball history. And and especially with the record he's going after, it's very achievable now. He's still got like a month of baseball and he has six home runs to hit to tie the way he looks right now, as I said in last week, it's the closest thing I've seen to like that era of Barry Bonds. When every time he got up to bat, you're like, just walk this guy or he's going to basically hit a home run. <laughs> like that's what you feel like, even though it's baseball, of course the guy's going to still strike out 150 times as judge has, but like it feels that way. That's how smooth the swing looks and how, dominant and focused he looks at the plate like that doesn't look like there's anything you can throw that guy that he can't hit so there's no case against him to be mvp but you gotta market philosophically that there is always an argument for otani when he's playing at this level as there should be because nobody in in almost the last hundred years of baseball 
and he's starting to surpass some of Ruth's pitching numbers. He's literally doing something every year now that nobody has ever done. And he's not doing it at a low level. I mean, he's a top 10 pitcher in the AL and he's arguably, you know, a top 10 to 20 hitter in the AL. And there have been, you know, a dozen games this year where between his start and his offense, he won the game by himself. So if you're trying to tell me philosophically that that's not the most valuable player of his team, you're insane. So I think it's this strange case. It's almost like how LeBron could have won an MVP for like 10 straight years and maybe should have, but you just can't every single time. I feel like as long as Otani's playing at this level on both sides of the ball, you can philosophically make an argument. He could be MVP every single year. It's crazy because I think he's not even going to get highlighted with any of these postseason awards, specifically the AL Cy Young. And it's kind of goes back to the, uh, when we talk about awards in the NBA, uh, a lot of the people going for the Cy Young have a workload of uh, over 170 innings. He only has 136, but that's because he's doing everything. He right. is 11 and eight pitching on a team that's 60 and 77 with a 2.58 ERA. That's incredible to me, man. No, no, it's, it's, it's stunning. It's really stunning what he's done on both sides of the ball. But, uh, yeah, so the Aaron Judge conversation will keep going. Uh, th- batting 300, crazy. Just all of those numbers that, that, that you said before, I'm absolutely mystified by it. It's, it's, it's the classic, like, literally maybe the best bet on yourself season yeah. in the history of sports. Of sports, yeah. Yeah. Do you know how awesome a guy has to be to get me back into baseball? Like literally, that yeah. and that's what I was saying yeah. last week. That's why I do believe there's like almost zero chance that Aaron yeah. Judge is leaving the Yankees. They God. know, they know the power of this right now. This is the first time in a long time the Yankees have had something real to market, and they need it. Could you bleep and imagine if they just like let him walk? Like oh. what? What? I, New York sports media is not equipped for this. (laughs) The only way this could happen, it would just have to be the only way the Yankees could get away with it is if they were able to frame it as like, listen, we offered the best deal and he wanted to leave and we had nothing. Like if that's the case, what can you do? And then Aaron judge will be the heel of New York for, you know, for the entirety of life, essentially. It's not going to be like the Robinson Cano situation where like New York was like, don't let the door hit you on the way. Yeah. We're like, you <laughs> take that contract, please, please. Yeah. That fucking worked out. Huh? That really set the standard though, for everything that we've seen since. So mm-hmm. interesting. All right. You wanted to talk about this AL central action. Heating up nip and tuck as they say, but it's also in baseball's worst division. So baseball's worst division, We'll send someone to the playoffs. We're not sure who it is. Uh, likely the worst record among all postseason participants. Uh, we've got a three-way race between the Cleveland Guardians, the Chicago White Sox, and the Minnesota Twins. Benny, I pose this to you. Who will be playing in October? You know, I got to stick with it. In my article for Spin this year, I chose the White Sox as my sleeper mm. out of the American League to go to the World Series against the Dodgers. Or the Mets. I don't know who I picked. I forget who I picked in the National League. I got to <laughs> reference that. One of the two. One of the two is looking good for it, I'd like to say. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with that and stick with my White Sox because I think 
they have by far the most talented roster going into this run. I think now that Verlander is hurt, Dylan Cease is kind of, you know, chomping at the bit for the Cy Young Award, and he's quite there. And none of these other teams have a dominant number one starter. Maybe you can make a case for Bieber over in Cleveland. But uh, as far as the White Sox uh, depth goes and stuff, but the thing with them this year is every single time they start making a little run, something seems to happen. (laughs) Now, the one, I really thought the Twins were coming in strong. They made some great deals at the trade deadline and, you know, brought in Sonny Gray, brought in Tyler Mayo, fortified the bullpen. But both of those starters I'm talking about are, are nagging injuries and having a hard time getting into the playoffs. And the the linchpin of their offense, Buxton, as usual, is is hurt and in and out of the lineup. And without him, the, the lineup gets thin quick. So because of these reasons, I, I, I think the White Sox, I would like the White Sox, but at this point, it, it's such a wash that, that I'm kind of leaning towards Cleveland because yeah. of this. 18 home games and nine away games that they're running, uh, you know, towards the end. They have definitely the most favorable splits, and they also maybe have the best uh, player going into it. I mean, Jose Ramirez at this point is a dominant offensive player that just doesn't get a lot of love because he's kind of been buried there for a while. Um, And, you know, he doesn't take games off. He's there every day, and he makes a major impact. So I I probably got to pull away with Cleveland at this point. Yeah, I'm going to go with Cleveland, too, here. Uh, currently in first place, we're left with less than 30 games to play. Um, and they have, uh, like you said, those home splits. They have, I think it's a six-game home series against the Royals to conclude the season. Um, while the White Sox and Twins have to finish playing up against each other, I think that could be huge. Uh, the interesting thing, you, you know, you brought up Buxton with with uh, the Twins, and that's that's uh, that's been unfortunate because it's kind of like um it, it'll all come down to him if they're going to make this run or not and, and stuff like that uh, but uh the twins but they can also control their own fate uh, with 14 other 26 remaining games left up against the white Sox and guardians so you know you'd never want this kind of situation to be in somebody else's hands if you want to get in, in the playoffs as al davis said just win baby so <laughs> that's, that's a case for the twins then man i've had a hard time figuring figuring out the socks this year man um, their remaining strength of schedule, right? Uh-huh. So the teams that they've left to play, it's the easiest in baseball. But like you said, it's been three steps forward and four or five steps back. So yeah, got to go with Cleveland here. It's, I th- it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. Yeah. Look at me talking about baseball. I love it. Are I you proud it. of me? <laughs> I am. I'm happy. This makes me happy. Oh man. Had to do some digging, had to call up some folks. Um, all right. But we would not. We would be remiss if we got out of here without talking about some orange leather. Little hoops. Little Let's hoops. Let's get to it. Let's and where else but the team with the most questions and even less answers, the L.A. Lakers. Uh, so for much of the offseason, the sticking point in any Russell Westbrook deal has been L.A.'s refusal to include uh, two first-round picks in a trade because any team that's going to want that big contract is going to need a little going to need a little back scratch in return. Well, Eric Pincus, a Bleacher Report, is reporting that uh, the team is entrenched in their position not to give up picks to get Russ out of Staples Center, Crypto.com, whatever you want to call it, and they're not willing to part with even one of these picks. So 
uh, with the Lakers in a tough spot, desperately trying to improve this roster because you have LeBron, you have AD. Um, kind of a head-scratching uh, situation for them, almost as if they don't know the value of these picks and where and how people use them in the league in 2022. Interesting. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I also think like at this point, if you're just removing Westbrook from the lineup, can you look at the Lakers roster and go, I see them competing with the top dogs of the West all season. Uh, I, I have a hard time seeing that. And I think so do they, I think that, you know, any of the true tanking teams, the Victor Wembignana sweepstakes teams, I think they're scared to get Russell Westbrook because you know what? He can actually win you a game every once in a while when the turbo jets are on and all of a sudden you have 28 wins rather than 21. He can do that to your bad team. So you don't actually want him on a fully tanking team going at all cylinders and trying to remake his case. So they are kind of stuck and, you know, him and Beverly, these guys are pros, you know, Beverly's now going into his, his marketing and media career. So of course the yuck, yuck is exactly what you'd expect. They know how to protect their money and their livelihoods. I mean, this one is on Westbrook. If he was willing to take a different role, you don't see why it, it couldn't work, but all indications are he won't. And because of what I just said in the trade market, all indications are he's not going to get traded. So they're going to start the season with both of them. I mean, it looks that way. But Denny, I'd like to offer you something here. Oh, please. I'd like to offer a silver lining to finish the program. Oh, I love it. Optimism okay. Episode. You know, I think we're forgetting something about this. Lonnie Walker? No. What if Anthony Davis and LeBron James are healthy and rocking for 80 games this season? What if Kendrick Nunn's a real player again? Thomas Bryant's really good. He was just buried in D.C., you know? He could actually be good. I like the bench. Juan Toscano-Anderson, Reeves, Damian Jones, Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown. Got some athletes. We might want to hold on a minute and remember who we're talking about. There is a reasonable case to be made for the fact that if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on full, full levels that they can be, particularly Anthony Davis, who at this stage in his career can be you know, a, a top 10 player in this league when he's, when he's cranking at all cylinders. If that's going and Russell Westbrook is asked to do what he was originally asked to do in LA, which is not be the number one guy on a team for half the season, which he was last year. So there is some window to me that this actually could fall into place. You're going to see it fast and if it doesn't fall into place, you're going to know real fast. Yeah. So, I mean, if this falls apart and you got to trade him and stuff like that, it's going to happen quick. But I'd like to offer this line of optimism. Remember, we're talking about LeBron James. Remember, we're talking about Anthony Davis. The two of them together at full volume won a title not that long ago. You know, and, and I don't think you need another superstar around those two to win a title. You just need the right pieces. So if it's actually cranking, if this coach has them working in a different way, who knows? I'd like to offer this, this, this avenue of optimism for the Lakers fan. 
I'm even trying to do the math in my head as you're saying this. Say LeBron averages 30 a game. Yeah. Say AD averages 30 a game. And say Russ can come in with, I don't know, like 10 a game. He likes to go for those double doubles and still get his thing. Say Patrick Beverly can get you like, I don't know, like close to 10, right? Like in like the nine, eight area a game. How are you getting to 100 points every night? Well, I think this Lonnie is where, Walker. Well, this is where, listen, what are the guys that LeBron used to carry around him that would get him to 100 points every night? There are people who could finish uh finish in transition or people who can hit threes yeah and that's essentially who they fill the lineup with this summer you know like like james and brian are both bigs that can stretch out and shoot you know uh brown's a good finisher like they got these people who can run who can finish who can sit in the corner and shoot threes the point i'm making is when those two are running at full cylinder that's what you need around them you need complementary pieces you need yeah. someone willing to sit in the corner 25 minutes a game, shoot nothing but that three ball and guard the other team's best player. You need a few of those guys and they kind of maybe got them. And if they're in this peak, again, my whole theory is out the window. If these two aren't both at peak performance, but if they are, I do think it can be stated that it's reasonably enough to compete. I love what you're doing right now, and I see through it entirely. You want it on wax on September 9th in case the Lakers make a run for Ben Stradamus. Hedging the bets. Hedging the bets right here, Benny Listen, Horowitz. you know, all I'm hearing out there is this, <laughs> this Lakers, you know, just taking them apart. Listen, there's always a what if, Daddy. <laughs> you know, this is why we play the game. Oh, man. I am not as optimistic, but that's okay. Let's see if your boy LeBron has something to say about it. By the way, the interesting report with the Lakers is, uh, you know, LeBron has his mini camp before every season starts. Um, Russell Westbrook will show up. So all in on on, on this team. Um, the Westbrook-Beverly situation is going to be very interesting. I can't wait Why, for that. He threw him a towel. Oh, Everything's Christ. fixed. Come on, dude. <laughs> all right. When we to show you can email us at the tune podcast at gmail.com follow us on all the social platforms tune up hq twitter instagram and tiktok subscribe to the youtube channel we are putting out we're everything on there if, if, if a story breaks sometimes even before the story breaks we got the coinciding video right. so right. it's all there subscribe a lot of good stuff uh if you want to follow the big man he's at benny horowitz on instagram you want tour pictures you want Fun little Q and A's. You want pictures of cucumbers? It's all there. Where else in music can you get that? <laughs> Only at Benny Horowitz on Instagram. That's right. I'm that's at Denny right. Gallagher on Instagram. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, I'll see you on the West Coast next week. That's right. Here we go. And maybe a little tune up. Little tune up. Uh, tune, tune up, up Continental. Coast. Continental. Who knows? Who knows? The right. show's ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to the Tune Up.